First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. We're going to be in the first seven verses. If you want to turn there, page nine thirty-seven in the Bibles that were passed out. First Peter five, one through seven. Okay, would you stand with me as I read, please? Starting at verse 1. And now, a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder... I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you serve each other in humility. For God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I pray that you would, uh, through your Holy Spirit, teach us this morning. Um, And I pray that you would speak to the hearts and the minds of each one of us, as, as each one of us this morning need this scripture applied to our lives and our thoughts and our actions. Father, I pray that you would pierce our hearts and that you would teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. May sit down. Well, I know you all like a secret, so... This morning I'm going to share with you a secret that I used in raising our kids. This is great this morning because actually three of my children are here this morning. So they can verify this. When our children were growing up, in order to help them have good attitudes, or in order to help adjust their bad attitudes when they needed adjusting. Not that they ever did, but... I used, I used it if one of them was grumpy. <laughs> Jake, you can use this, yeah, when she's a little older. Uh, when they were grumpy or they were out of sorts or complaining, 
This is the key right here. You don't want to miss it. I would ask them, attitude check. That's profound. <laughs> and their response, there was, an, there was an expected response that they were supposed to give. Any of my kids know the expected response? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> that, that was the correct response. There was no other correct response. I would, I would ask attitude check and they would respond by praise the Lord. Now, I want to acknowledge that it didn't often create within them the desire to say praise the Lord <laughs> when I would say attitude check. And I also want to confess that when it's been used on me by my kids, <laughs> I didn't particularly like it either. But you know, good books don't sell by what works. No. But even though they didn't particularly like it, and I don't particularly like it, it did one thing. It, it made them think about their attitudes. So I'd encourage you to try it out on each other, but not on me, okay? I don't, I don't expect any of my employees tomorrow, if I'm grumpy, to say attitude check, or you will be fired. No, I can't. <laughs> Okay, okay, attitude check. Okay. Now, as we come to 1 Peter, I want you to be thinking about that because I think that's what Peter is doing as we come to, to the end of Peter as we've gone through four chapters. I think as he's winding down his letter, writing to Christians who are scattered throughout the Roman Empire. They've been experiencing persecution. And he's writing to encourage them. He's writing to spur them on to live lives worthy of Christ in the face of persecution. As he's wrapping up his letter, coming, in, coming to what is chapter 5 for us, I think that he's feeling, he's sensing the need that as he's talked to them, he's encouraged them, he's spurred them on, he's challenged them to live worthy lives in the midst of persecution, I think he's, he's sensing the need to talk to them about their attitudes. Um, not their attitudes towards governmental authority and not their attitudes towards those who are persecuting them, but their attitudes towards one another because I think often what hardship or difficulty or suffering or persecution produces is it's kind of a it's kind of a an effect because you know as we're out there experiencing you know in the opposition we're experiencing uh, those who oppose us and it's hard and we stand against it and, and we face it and we experience it we're strong but then kind of the overflow of it can be we can be kind of maybe cranky with one another <laughs> It, it comes down to one another and, and we can be a little bit off with one another. We can be a little bit out of sorts with one another because we're exhausted at that point. <laughs> you know, our tanks aren't empty. Our emotional, spiritual, physical tanks aren't empty. And, and at that point, all we want to do is just look out for ourselves. 
And I think that's kind of what Peter might be sensing as he's coming to the end of, end of his letter. He's thinking, you know, these people might need an attitude check because they might be at their end themselves and a little out of sorts with one another and they might need an attitude adjustment. Have you been there? Hey, we've all been there, haven't we? In fact, I'm guessing that some of you are probably there this morning. It might be because you've been um, working hard for the Lord. Or maybe you've just been working hard, doing a good job, raising your family, uh, working hard at school, working hard at work, and, and you're just exhausted. And you're kind of at the end of your physical, emotional, spiritual reserves. And you're to the point to where it's just like, got to be all about me right now. You're kind of fed up with people. You're like, I'm finished. <laughs> or maybe you're feeling kind of entitled, like, you know, I've given my life for people, and now it's time that they give their lives for me. And I don't know where you are, if you've been there, or if that's where you're at right now, but I think that's where Peter's at as he's writing to these believers in 1 Peter chapter 5. It's where Elijah was, I think. If you remember the story when Elijah was on Mount Carmel, way back in the book of Kings, 1 Kings, he thought he was the only one. And so he called all the prophets together, all the false prophets of Baal, he called them to Mount Carmel, and in an amazing display of God's power, fire coming down from heaven, burning up, the burning up the sacrifice, burning up the altar. The people of Israel who have been worshiping Baal come to the point where they, they acknowledge the Lord is God, the Lord is God. And, but, but as Elijah comes to the end of that, he's absolutely exhausted. And then he's threatened by Jezebel the queen. And you know what Elijah does? After this phenomenal victory, and this is often where it happens with us, Maybe we've experienced some phenomenal something that God has done. I mean, a victory. Often for me, it's, it's, it's after an amazing high. I, I've seen God do something amazing, and then, boy, it's like the next day, I, it's like a crash. Maybe that's where some of us are at this morning. And that's where Elijah was at after this amazing victory on Mount Carmel. He crashes, and he spends days running, getting away out of fear, and he comes to the end and, and God corners him and, and doesn't meet him in the f earthquake or the fire or the windstorm, but meets him in a still, small voice. And Elijah says in this pitiful voice, God, it's just me. I mean, you're lucky you got me, but besides that, there's no one else. And, and he had this pity party. And in an attitude check, God in a still small voice just reminds him that it's really about him, God. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and get an attitude check this morning if that's what we need. Now, you'll notice, and if you were paying attention as I was reading earlier, those of you who are really alert were probably asking through the first four verses, why is Dave preaching about this this morning? 
It's, it's, it's about him. It's not about us. You notice that? The first four verses are about elders. So Daniel and Pat and myself need to particularly pay attention. But I'm going to have some application for you all. We come to verse 5. Notice where it switches. It's to the young men. So you young ladies are still out of it. You know, you can just keep gloating and smirking. But then I want you to notice at the end of verse 5, it says, all of you, drat. (laughs) All of you have to listen. And so it's actually, as Peter comes to the conclusion, what he's saying to the elders and to the young men in reality is what he concludes to everyone. It's the same message he's putting across. And it's this attitude check. Okay? As we come to the elders in verses 1 through 4, elders are the men that God has put in care over his church. Um, For those of you that don't know, and I I just mentioned their names again, I I, I just, for, for you to be aware, Pat, can you stand up? And Daniel. And I mean, I think it's good that you all, if you don't know, and myself, these are the elders that God has entrusted the care of our church to, okay? Thanks, guys. To shepherd it, to, to care for it, to protect it, to, to tend to it. That doesn't mean that the rest of you don't have to do anything, okay? <laughs> but but has entru- it's, it's, a, it's entrusted. It's kind of like God entrusts parents <laughs> with the care and the feeding and the protecting and the, and the watch care over uh, their children. So God has put men, elders, in that same trust over his church. Um, Paul, Peter writes to them, he says, you know, I want you to know as I'm writing to you that I'm, I'm just like you. I'm, a, I'm an elder. And just like you're suffering, I too have suffered. If you go back to the first few chapters in the book of Acts, you'll see how Peter suffered for Jesus. He says, I too have suffered it, and I too am looking forward to the living hope that I've been speaking to you about. So it's to these men that Peter first gives an attitude check, and, and it's important, you know, that he starts with the leaders, right? But the question would be, why? Why does he start with the leaders? I mean, why would... I'm going to pick on these guys a lot. Why would Pat and Daniel and myself need an attitude check? I mean, you, you look at us. It's like sweetness personified. <laughs> well, at least Pat and Daniel. Okay. Um, but really... Why an attitude check? Why would Peter start and and for four verses speak to the elders of the church? And this is why. This is why. Because ministry is hard. Because ministry is hard. It's exhausting. It can be painful. It can be heart-wrenching. And at the end of what can be painful and heart-wrenching, as, as Paul writes in the, in the book of 2 Corinthians, as he reiterates in the book of Acts, 
the, he says, speaking to the Ephesian elders, he said, for three years, night and day with tears, I labored over you. And, and, and in moving ahead, I want you to understand that, that that's what being an elder is, or what it's to be. We'll start with that. It's to be a concern and, and a burden and a care for you all. And that's how Daniel and, and Pat and I feel. That's why when I received a phone call last night with somebody crying and just kind of pouring out a, 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 a kind of their pain, it affected me the rest of the night and into the morning as, as somebody within our body. Uh, life is just wrenched. I know often the uh, probably it's easy to get the idea that they don't know and they don't care, but I want you to understand that we do. And because of that, it can be exhausting and painful, and as a result of that, you know what can happen? It can lead to wrong attitudes. <laughs> In the midst of that physical and emotional and spiritual exhaustion, it can lead to bad attitudes, it can lead to temptations, and it can lead to looking at ministry and the people under your care in a way to where it's not good. And so that's where Peter starts with the elders and says, I want to write to you and give you an attitude check and find out where you really are. In case you all didn't know, you all aren't angels. Yeah, I know. But either am I, okay? <laughs> so I understand. And your burdens and, and, and needs and sins and struggles can be overwhelming and without an attitude check can lead to a wrong attitude. So there's three attitudes that Peter talks about here that I want us to highlight really quickly. The first one, He starts, and I'm just going to pick up at the, kind of the middle of verse 1. He says, I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. That's the first attitude check that Peter gives to his fellow elders. What does this look like? Well, this is what it might look like on the part of a leader that needs an attitude check. You unappreciative people. You don't care at all about me. All the nights I stay up not being able to sleep because of you, I could be making way more money. But here I am, slaving away, sacrificing for the Lord, sacrificially serving all of you. Wow, time for an attitude check, Peter says. Because he says the attitude of an elder should be not one that's begrudging, but one that's eager. And, and if a leader comes to the point to where it's begrudging, and it's not eager, then something's wrong. Okay? Just to give a little application here, it might be that some of you need an attitude check in this, this way also. It might be that some of you have a grudge towards God or towards another believer 
or maybe towards one of us as leaders, because you've been wearing yourself out, serving God, and feeling unappreciated, or not receiving the help you feel that you need? If that's where you're at, it's time for an attitude check. The second attitude, we're going we're gonna to just work through this. The second attitude, notice that Peter talks about, as he moves on, he says, watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Not for what you will get out of it. What does this look like? As I thought about this, I think this indicates an attitude of entitlement. Do, do you understand what I mean by that? Meaning that because of what I've given, I deserve to get something. An attitude of entitlement. I am giving so much. And I am so important to God because of what I am doing. That I'm therefore entitled to get something. A bigger house. Or maybe one or two condos in Hawaii. Or or a nice yacht. Maybe a special title that you could all address me as. Or some special recognition for my sacrificial service because I'm special. Time for an attitude check, Peter says. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. I think, I think this is captured, this attitude is captured wonderfully. The, the correct attitude, I, I read it in, in Knowing God. J.I. Packer refers to a, um, a minister in the Church of England who, because of his love for the truth of the Word of God, lost a potential promotion in the Church of England. And, and when uh, um, approached by one of his fellow ministers asking him, uh, how he was doing because of that, his response was this, and it was powerful. He says, it doesn't matter because I've known God and they haven't. That's the right attitude. That's enough. Not not for what I will get because of what I'm giving, but just to know God and enjoy him. Do any of us need an attitude check in this area? Are you using your sacrificial serving of God maybe as an excuse for selfishness? Uh, Or for fleshliness in your choices or worldliness in your associations that I deserve this because of what I'm doing? Time for an attitude check. Then the third one. He says, verse 3, Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care. I I call this attitude, the first one is kind of having a grudge, a chip on our shoulder. The second one is greed. I call this one a God complex. God complex. Don't lord it over people assigned to your care. I think it's, it's this attitude. It's I'm important 
because of all the amazing things I'm doing and all the sacrifice I'm showing. And as a result, people should listen to me. People must listen to me. Kind of like my wife's favorite mug uh, declares, I'm in charge here. In case any of you wondered who was in charge at our house. <laughs> Way too much has been done in the name of God in our world, right? Way too much has been done in the name of God in our world that has controlled and abused people by men and women who should have been serving instead demanded that people serve them. And instead of leading by example or dictating and demanding and dominating, that's what Peter says here, leading by good example. When a leader in the church of Jesus Christ expects to be served instead of serving, then they've lost sight of their master, Jesus, who in John, um, slipped me where it is right now, Mark 10:45, excuse me, said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Jesus himself did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. What about an attitude check in this area? Are you bothered when people don't do what you want? Or are you content to lead others to Jesus as they are willing to follow? So just kind of summarizing up an attitude check here for leaders in the church. And I would say those aspiring to be leaders in the church. Such leaders in leading God's people should be, number one, eager. Eager to serve. Not having in their exhaustion come to the place where there's a grudge. Eager to serve. Leading by example. And all of it because they're just doing it out of an enjoyment of God for no other reason. Okay, so we come to verse 5. In the same way, Peter says, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders. Now, again, we could ask the same question. Why does Peter write this? He's written to the leaders and now he writes to the young men. And I think the reason is, and, and it's a little different, it's the same word elders that's in the first four verses, that's in verse 5, but where in the first four verses it was referring to the position of leader in the church, I think here it's in contrast to young men, it's referring to age. The young men should accept, should um, submit to those who are older than them, to their, to their authority, those who are farther along than them in the Lord. And I think the reason Peter's writing is because this is a tendency, and, and, and to be honest, this was my tendency when I was younger, even though I'm still pretty young. <laughs> We're recording the people that laughed, okay? Is because it, when it, it was my tendency when I was young, and in, in, in the passion of our youth, and I'll say the pride of our youth, or I'll say the passion and pride of my youth. Okay, I'll just stick with that. It was often that I looked at people 
men older than me in the Lord and older than me in age and thought very critically, you know, they must be the way they are because they've just lost their passion for the Lord. Or in their age, maybe they're just starting to compromise. Instead of appreciating the the fact that maybe in their maturing they've come to understand in a greater way God's grace and God's wisdom and there's something I could have benefited from. And so because of that, it's, it's, it's the way Rehoboam, you remember the story after David died and his son Rehoboam became king? It's exactly what caused the collapse of the kingdom of Israel and and ten of the tribes being separated to Jeroboam is because when the people of Israel came to Rehoboam, no, it was Solomon's son, Uh, when when the people of Israel came to Rehoboam and they said, you know, your father just, he he just oppressed us, But, but instead of oppressing us and dominating, if you would serve this people, man, they'll do anything you ask. And that was the wisdom of the elders. But forsaking the wisdom of the elders, Rehoboam listened to his peers who said, don't listen to that. They're just, they've lost their, you know, they've lost their passion. They've lost their drive. They're a bunch of old fogies. This is what you need to tell the people. You tell them, my father's thumb, my little finger is tougher than my father's thumb. And you know, what he did, I'll do even more. And the people forsook him and he lost ten tribes of the twelve tribes. And so Peter, he asked the young men to have an attitude check. (laughs) To have an attitude check. And and we're not saying to be unthinking robots. doing and accepting whatever the elders dictate as if anything I said would be wisdom from above, I guarantee you that's not true. But it does mean that young men, and we'll say young women, are to have a teachable spirit, a spirit eager to learn from their elders, understanding how much they have to learn and valuing what their elders have learned and have to contribute to them. And it all comes down to the end of verse 5 where Peter says, and all of you, now you can all listen if you'd tune me out to this point. Nudge the person next to you, okay? Say it's time to listen. All of you serve each other in humility. This is really Peter's attitude conclusion. What he's saying about the elders, what he's writing to the young men, and now sums up for everyone. It's actually a word picture that that he's painting uh, in the original language, literally, he's, he's saying, wrap humility of thinking around you like a garment. And, and the picture that he's painting is of like the garment that a servant wrapped around themselves to serve their master. It's what we see in John chapter 13. As Jesus' arrogant disciples refuse to wash one another's feet, and what does Jesus does? He lays aside his robe, he wraps a towel around him, and as a servant, 
he washes his disciples' feet. That's the heart of what Jesus, what Peter is writing here. Humility. As um, Andrew Murray, if you haven't read his little book, Humility, it's, it's a, a wonderful little book. He describes humility as being emptied of ourselves in order that Jesus might be all in all. And that's what the heart of what Peter is coming to is he's, as he's writing to these believers who have been scattered about, they're exhausted, they're afraid, some of them are running for their lives, they're at the end of their rope, and he's writing to them saying, In your, where you're at right now, I want to remind you of where you need to be. Because God opposes the proud but favors the humble. And so humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honor so give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. And so in concluding, kind of as we've kept saying attitude check, attitude check, attitude check, Peter concludes in these last two verses, verses 6 and 7, by helping us understand how we can have such an attitude, okay? Where it can come from. And it's this simply four things in these two verses. That coming to the end of ourselves and being full of Him, Jesus, so that when we're at the end of ourselves, we don't have a grudge, we don't feel entitled to something, We have eagerness and joy in the Lord to be examples to one another. It comes from these four things. Look at So humble yourselves under the mad hand of God. The first thing it says, humility comes from submitting to God's authority. That's, that's where our attitude check starts. If you're struggling with an attitude, it's, it's because we're struggling with people, right? <laughs> We've come to the end of, man, I just... It says, well, get your eyes off of people and get your eyes back on the Lord. He's the one that's in charge of you. Humility comes from, number one, submitting to God's authority. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Number two, humility comes from trusting God's timing. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time. Humility comes from trusting God's timing. Number three, and then I'm going to sum it all up. At the right time, He will lift you up. Humility comes from leaving the results with God. And number four, verse seven, give all your worries and cares to God for He cares about you. Humility comes from really believing that God is good. That God is good. Attitude check. Or, I want you to just think this morning as I'm closing here, or because of what, where you are in life, maybe you're exhausted from serving the Lord or, or serving people. and You're at the end, you're fed up, you're finished, you, you just, you're exhausted. Do you have a grudge this morning against 
someone? Are you feeling unappreciated because of the service you've been doing? Are you feeling like you're entitled to something? Are you offended when others don't do what you say or follow your advice? Peter's simple advice is this, just to wrap it all up. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Come to the end of yourselves. Get your eyes off of yourselves, off of the problems, off of the people, off of the circumstances. Get your eyes off of yourselves, your difficult circumstances, people's ingratitude, their lack of appreciation. Let's get our eyes back on Jesus. He is God. Submit to Him. Turn your eyes upon Him. Trust Him. Enjoy Him. And we'll have attitudes. It doesn't matter what we're going through. It doesn't matter how unappreciative people are. It doesn't matter how hard we serve or how weary we are. If our eyes are on Jesus, submitted to Him, trusting Him, enjoying Him, then we'll have the right attitude. Let's pray. Father, you know us. You know that we're just flesh. We're human beings and we so easily are offended and, and exhausted and, and worn out. We're just we're people. Father, I pray that, and, and you know where each one of us are at this morning, that where we are at, you would speak to our hearts and you would lift up our eyes and remind us that you are God, that you are our God, you are good, things will happen in your time, they will happen the right way. Just help us to enjoy you and trust you and follow you and leave things to you in Jesus' name. Amen.